and remember them no more. Look unto me, to ye people, saith the Lord your God. He'll forgive your transgressions. He'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. And remember them no more. Turn once again to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. read together passage about the seven deadly sins. Our study this afternoon is on homartology, study of sin. Study of sin in Proverbs. Sin is real and sin is 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 damnable, but sin is forgivable. What is sin? Westminster Shorter Catechism says, Sin is any want of conformity to and transgression of God's law. So you have the sins of omission, want of conformity to, and commission, transgression, God's law. There are several scriptures that define sin. Sin's origin. Romans 3 verse 20 says, By the law is the knowledge of sin. So God's word specifically contained in the Ten Commandments gives us a knowledge of sin. Sins against God, sins against our neighbor. Ten categories revealed in the Ten Commandments are thorough in nature. There's not an eleventh commandment, nor are there nine. Second John chapter 3 and verse 4 says, sin is the transgression of the law. So sin is breaking a law of God. He is the lawmaker. He is the sovereign one has the right to make laws, but the laws are moral in nature and they are reflective of his nature. How did sin enter into the world? If you could say that man created anything, man created sin. Romans 5.12 says, By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So we come to a book of wisdom. Proverbs is a is a book that teaches us, particularly for believers, the Bible is written primarily to believers, though, indeed, the Bible is an evangelistic book. Unbelievers, simply by reading the Bible, can be saved. An old professor, Dr. Stuart Custer, didn't have a tract, um, didn't attend a church, he was very sickly with rheumatic fever for many years. He wasn't able to go to school for five years. His grandmother gave him a Bible and he just 
left it on the shelf and kept reading stacks of library books and became a genius in many areas. Very, very helpful professor. Whatever he reaped, he sold later. But he looked over at his Bible and he said, I'm reading all these books and why don't I read that one? And he started to read that one and he got bogged down in the genealogies and put it back on the shelf. He asked the question again a few weeks later, why am I reading these books and some of these books you could get bogged down in if you don't plow on? And why don't I finish that one? Well, when he got to the book of Romans and uh, he was convinced of his sin, the text in chapter 7 says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this sin? And he was thankful that the answer came right away. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Proverbs is a book that teaches primarily believers how we navigate in a fallen world and even with a fallen uh, past ourselves. Sinners saved by grace that continue to sin. And we find indeed that even beginning in the first chapter you have evidence of Proverbs uh, positing the existence and the dangers of sin. Chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why is the word fool there? Because a fool is someone that dabbles with sin. There are three nouns that describe what we might say sinners least three, but simple, fool, and scorner. And uh, usually the simple, there's hope there that's, that's assumed. Yo, ye simple, understand wisdom. The fool <coughs> is going either way. He needs to be rebuked seriously or he's going to continue on to a scorner. And a scorner in Proverbs is hopeless. But you have other terms that describe sinners like sinner, like wicked, uh, and so Proverbs is very candid in in teaching us that we are sinners in a fallen world, but thank the Lord that Proverbs gives us solutions. So you have fool's folly and foolishness prevalent in Proverbs. Uh, if a wise person is skillful in, in uh, traversing in a fallen world, a fool is unskillful, clumsy spiritually at best, thoughtless. It's just a proof of sinfulness. A fool is immoral, unspiritual, and unbelieving. In chapter 1, you have the word sinners in verse 10. They're enticing others to fall and to, to be sinful as, as well. They've broken God's law, but they're tempting others to break God's law as well. As we see in early part of the Bible, there's a, a devil who is tempting human beings to sin very early in Genesis in chapter 3. Remember that Adam and Eve were warned to guard in the garden. There was a threat that they were to be aware of. And it wasn't long before they fell. Romans 
says that there are sinners that take pleasure, pleasure that others sin high-handedly as well as they do. And in Proverbs 4, verse 16, sinners are not content to sin alone. They're sleepless until they cause others to fall. And that is certainly a very severe um, case that we need to be aware of in this world. There are people that are not content to be fallen and to prove their fallenness. They want you and me to follow in their pernicious ways. Matter of fact, it really annoys them that we keep the law. There's a text in Proverbs that says that, that those who keep God's law are, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, are, are uh, annoying and, and uh, despised by by those who love their sin. Proverbs teaches that sin is not uh, something that we stumble onto. It's, it's bound in the heart of a child. Proverbs teaches uh, the depravity of man, that man is, is conceived and born in sin. Chapter 22 and verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So that's innate sin. They're conceived and they're born in sin. And corporal punishment is important because it reminds the child of their sinfulness. And it says, goes on to say, and the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. It's not saying that there's any supernatural um, power in the paddle, but it's saying that, that we all need the reminder um, of our sinfulness, and pain is usually the reminder, isn't it? So the Bible, and we're focusing specifically in Proverbs, gives us the knowledge and the catalog of sin. Now we would understand that Proverbs emphasizes the second table of the law, man's relationship with man. Though there are texts that do emphasize some of the first table of the law, our, our relationship with God, man's sin against God. We can understand that Proverbs is a book of wisdom and how we're navigating with our neighbors in a sinful world where other books would focus on perhaps our relationship with God himself uh, in Scripture. Chapter 7 says we're to lay up God's commandments with us. Just the fact that the idea of commandments is in Proverbs obviously underscore sin because by the law is the knowledge of sin. But we are to lay up God's commandments so we're not ignorant of sin. We're not ignorant of temptation. We're not ignorant when we when we actually sin. We're to lay up God's commandments with us. We're to keep God's commandments and live. Not teaching works righteousness in chapter seven. It's just simply saying a person that walks with God is really living. The just shall live by faith. And someone who's obedient to God and worshiping God is someone who will be, will be uh, strong spiritually. I remember hearing a preacher recently say that a, a Christian that is neglecting private and public worship has never met one by that he said that is strong spiritually in his spiritual constitution. There are references to the first table, even the fear of the Lord in chapter 1 and chapter 9. 
Um, the fact that we need to fear God as the only living and true God. That's really dealing with the first, second, third, and fourth commandments. The fear of the Lord. By reverence of the Lord, we worship him only. By reverencing the Lord, we are careful how we worship him, not uh, visually and not with, with idols. By the fear of the Lord, we reverence his name and don't take it in vain. By the fear of the Lord, we keep sacred his time. We, we uh, set it apart, as he says. But the person that doesn't fear the Lord hates knowledge, chapter 1, verses 22 and 29. Really, the knowledge of God, that is. They're disregarding God's word. So there is a sin against the Lord there in chapter 1. The Bible tells us in chapter 4 to keep our hearts with all diligence and to avoid proud looks, one of the deadly sins. And that obviously would deal with number 2 especially. Um, remember what John said to the Jews, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. And uh, then in chapter 30, verse 9, the, the, uh, the writer is concerned that he won't take the name of the Lord in vain. And uh, someone said, what about the fourth commandment? Well, again, I said the fear of the Lord encompasses all four of the first table of the law, but um, certainly indirectly, we're taught to tithe, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all our increase, and that takes place especially on the day of worship, the Lord's day or the Sabbath day. But by and large, most of the sins that are found in Proverbs are dealing with the second table of the law, commandments 5 through 10. And just a survey of that, the fifth commandment is, well, maybe I should go backwards because it's, it's elementary for, for God's people. Well, maybe we will go backwards. Number 10 is, thou shalt not covet. Well, Chapter 1, verse 19 says to be careful that we're not greedy of gain. And then bribes, for instance, chapter 17, verse 23, pervert justice and uh, taking gifts and so on. So that's a breach of the 10th commandment. Number 9 is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And of course, lying, the uh, Bible tells us if someone lies, they hate the person they're lying to. And uh, chapter 6 and verse 17, one of the deadly sins is a lying tongue. Also, uh, secondly, uh, two of the seven, a false witness. Chapter 21, a false witness shall perish. Chapter 11, verse 1, a false balance is abomination to the Lord. So that's not only uh, lying, that's stealing, which is number 8, thou shalt not steal. So even in chapter 1, theft and robbery, they fill their houses with spoil as a breach of the 8th commandment. Um, removing landmarks, uh, extending your property, taking advantage of widows and people that uh, don't have power. Exorbitant interest is something that Proverbs warns us about, breaching the 8th commandment. Number 7, thou shalt not... Commit adultery, or thou shalt not commit immorality. And a strange woman is over and over again, especially in the early chapters, but later too. And of course, we understand that there are strange men out there that lure women. And uh, that is a, a start warning in Proverbs. 
And it's often the result of drunkenness. Chapter 28, verse 33. A drunk person will behold strange women and utter perverse things. Chapter, or uh, commandment number 6. Thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder. Chapter 1 again. They murder, they weigh in late for they lay wait for blood, hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, chapter 6, one of the deadly sins. And even drunkenness and strife come under the sixth commandment. You harm your body and you, you uh, scar your neighbor's heart by striving, by complaining. Number 5, honor thy father and thy mother. One of the two in the precept form as well as remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Chapter 5, how have I despised my teachers, my parents? Chapter 19, one who assaults his father and injures his mother is someone that is uh, due punishment. And, and the curses upon those who curse their parents. Chapter 20, verse 20. So Proverbs, just a, just a cursory look we see that all the commandments are covered and sin, you can, you can uh, understand what sin is and, and what it's called and catalog your sins as you read this very important book, again, How to Navigate in a Fallen World. The, and then we say, well, is sin all that bad? Uh, the sins are listed, but sometimes you can you can have a benign view of sin, but even if you see them listed. Well, Proverbs tells us the harmful effects of sin as well as the fact that sin exists and it's committed. As we know, death will come. Dying you will die, Genesis chapter 2. And death came by sin. There were no fossils before the fall of man. Well, there may have been... Um, roots that animals left behind when they ate the plants, but there was no death. Proverbs tells us in chapter 8, if you hate wisdom, Christ is personified by wisdom, as he said, he that believeth not on me shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Very similar statement. All who hate me love death. Hell is warned in Proverbs. The way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, the way to hell, the degrees of punishment. Her house is the way to hell, the strange woman's uh, temptations. Disease, chapter 5, uh, is associated with immorality. When thy flesh and thy body are consumed, there are diseases that are caused because of infidelity and immorality. So sooner or later, sin will catch up with us. It may not be immediate, but thank God for those who have contracted disease because of their immorality. It'll, it'll make them think that if my physical body is, is affected, what about my soul? And uh, many have, have, have been turned to the Lord by contracting diseases because of their sin. Uh, we should thank God for those warning signs, for those bells. Financial loss. The drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. Broken covenant covenants. People don't see those as a result, as damage 
uh, due to sin, but broken covenants are damaged uh, uh, results. It talks about the woman that's unfaithful to her husband in chapter 2, verse 17. She forsakes the guide of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Of course, we know it works the other way as well. Um, and your own infidelity can anger and wrong the spouse of the person that you uh, have hurt. Chapter 6, jealousy is the rage of a man. And so you can certainly, and we've often have you seen that in, in uh, the news, that a jealous spouse um, attacks the, the person that, was, that lured their, their wife or their husband. Regret is, a, is, da- is damaging, the damaging revolt, result of sin. How have I hated instruction, have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. If I'd only listened, this and that wouldn't have happened. Stigma for the rest of your life, it says in chapter 6, a wound and dishonor shall he get. And that could also refer to guilt. But stigmas sometimes are carried with us to the grave. A bad example to those who are following us. As so often we find the father and the mother beseeching the child to follow their instruction, to follow their example. Dishonoring of parents, the calamity of a father, the shame to a mother is underlined often in Proverbs. Someone who wastes their father and chases their mother, those are words that mean they assault and they injure harm family members like the financial loss and the um, the uh, stigma and, and, and uh, what society sees. Orphan children because of unfaithful parents and sinful parents. Dishonoring of God. I don't want to take the name of my God in vain. And, and uh, the Lord says to the person that doesn't listen to him, they despised all my reproof. And so we see that the Proverbs not only gives us a knowledge and catalog of sin, but it warns us that sin is not neutral. Is that what I'm trying to say? That, that you're going to suffer. Others are going to suffer. No one is an island. So often people are so selfish that we're selfish when we sin. We don't think about the ramifications vertically, horizontally. You think it's just going to affect us. But read the book of Proverbs and sin is damaging. It's like you, know, you think that a little a little uh, pebble, you've seen that happen. You throw a little pebble in a very calm body of water and it's amazing how the, the effects of that pebble hitting the surface of the water is seen for you know feet beyond where it actually touches the surface. And how much more when you take a larger stone you see that happen. And uh, so often we, we, we start early, don't we? start small. We think, you know, it's not hurting much. And then we get a larger stone. And just sin is, is so deceptive and so destructive according to Proverbs. Obviously, that because of God's grace that the effects of sin can be uh, lessened and perhaps even reversed or forgotten, certainly 
The Lord Jesus took our sins and the guilt of our sins and we won't have to suffer for them, but the consequences may still remain in this world. I thank the Lord for the conviction of sin. As you study sin, uh, we know there has to come a point where someone is going to be saved or recover or repent. It's going to have to feel the, uh, the guilt of sin, the conviction of sin. It's a link between the knowledge of sin and repentance. Um, knowledge individualized, so to speak. Chapter 6, it tells us in verse 23, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. It's an interesting statement. When we need reproof, it's because we have sinned, we have fallen. Remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for um, doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we should thank the Lord when he alarms our conscience. Remember, the candle of the Lord the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's a description of conscience. Um, and God will, will uh, inflame conscience, and we should be grateful for that. But when the Holy Spirit is within us, he, he uh, convicts us and pricks us. Chapter 17, a reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. And we should be thankful for the reproofs of parents, of of believers, of friends, of neighbors, even of wicked people, even of unsafe people. Uh, have you ever been rebuked by a, an unsafe person? It's humbling, it's embarrassing, but we should be grateful. And we should be willing to confess our sin to an unbeliever that we've harmed. They need, uh, they need our repentance, but at the same time, our prayer certainly is that they'll be saved and we won't hinder their salvation by our, our sin. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Is that true of you and me? Do you and I love the people that rebuke us? If we don't, we haven't gone very far spiritually, have we? Lord, forgive me. If you and I hold grudges against those who, who, who have um, rebuked us, we need to ask the Lord forgiveness and, and pray for that person, pray for love for that person, thank that person for, for their help along the way. If they were stumbling blocks to the life of sin, we should be grateful. And again, that, that text in chapter 20, verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. What does that mean if it's a description of conscience? God calls us to account of our inner being. See, he sees the inside. He sees the invisible. God, no one else knows who knows. I saw you. I saw you do that. I heard you say that. We know the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And we should be grateful for his omniscience and his omnipresence, his love when he speaks to us. But again, if we neglect his word, we're going we're gonna to neglect reproof. We're going to neglect the knowledge of sin. We're going to neglect uh, help navigating in this fallen world. The Bible talks about my reproof in chapter 1 and verse 23. Thank the Lord that he speaks to us. He uses others indirectly, but he speaks to us. And that is, that is our goal, isn't it, when we read the Bible. Lord, 
please teach me, reprove me, and help me to know now what do I have to do to be corrected, and then lead me in the way of righteousness. And the Bible gives us the remedy for sin in Proverbs. It talks about the sin offering in chapter 14 and verse 9. We talked about the gospel in one of our studies in Proverbs. Mercy and truth. By, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, chapter 16 and verse 6. Mercy and truth speaks of God's love and God's wrath, God's mercy and God's justice. They're all met together at the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mercy. Um, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's truth. That's justice. And both were magnified at the cross of Calvary. Chapter 28, verse 13, Whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh it shall be shown mercy. And God give us not only repentance, but, the, but as so often we see that the sincerity of our repentance is known by forsaking our sin. And so when we confess our sins, we should be praying, Lord, don't let this be a vicious cycle. I'm confessing and committing, confessing and committing, confessing and committing. But Lord, let me confess and forsake that it won't be the vicious circle. And we're going to fall, righteous man falls seven times, but confess and forsake, confess and forsake. That's what should be on our mind when we're repenting. Now, Lord, I'm, I'm so tired of it. And, and embarrassed of repeating my sins. I need strength. I need now study. How do I overcome cowardice? How do I overcome lust? How do I ever overcome deceit? And we should have studies uh, personally and even publicly about how to avoid sin. And uh, certainly studies on sin and repentance of sin. But how do we revolt? Re- how do we uh, recover? How do we forsake it? And certainly the, the remedy is there for the sin offering, confession of our sins, turning at God's reproof, chapter 1 and verse 23. But chapter 8 kind of gives us the, the, uh, the idea of forsaking it. We're listening constantly. We're watching at the post of his doors. We're waiting. In other words, we're, we're always in a position of listening to the Lord, walking with God. So we're wanting the remedy of sin, uh, not only the fact that Christ's blood washes us and, and uh, God forgives when we confess, but the way in which we can forsake our sin by walking in the paths of righteousness. And uh, it says, for instance, in chapter 4, the, the, the path of the justice is the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. That's a description of the believer that's walking in the light, walking with God. And that's what John tells us in his first epistle. Remember, walk in the light as he is in the light, confessing our sins, but walking in the light. So often we confess our sin, we walk back in the dark. We need to, we need to confess our sin, now get in the light, get accountability, you know, put away whatever that temptation might be, and uh, ask for help. Ask parental prayer and ask for Christian fellowship. Ask the preacher, the elders, can you, would you preach a series sometime on 
and remedies and and uh, uh, how do we how do we overcome our sins practical ways the forgiveness of sins is huge in proverbs behold i will pour out my spirit unto you so obviously this would include salvation whoso listens to me shall dwell safely or securely it's a synonym for salvation you'll be quiet from fear of evil the loss of anxiety Whosoever findeth the knowledge of God, that means whoever knows God, who comes to know God, is someone who is a believer and has found forgiveness of sins. And of course, the fact that the believer knows that the forgiveness of sins and and being restored to God is not a temporary condition or position. It's Proverbs indicates there's eternal life that's promise to those who follow the Lord. Chapter 3 and verse 35, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. So you have both sides there. But the wise shall inherit glory. Chapter 8, whoso findeth me findeth life. Just like Jesus said, believe in me you have everlasting life. Chapter 11, verse 4, righteousness delivers from death. Riches Do not, what does it say? Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And we know it's pointing to the righteousness of Christ. Even if that is a verse dealing with not just forensic, legal righteousness found in Christ, but even if it's referring to moral righteousness, it's true that he that doeth righteousness has been born of God. We factor other verses in. It's not talking, again, about just mere morality without Christ. In chapter 15, verse 24, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. And even the last chapter, the virtuous woman, it says that she, the way she lives and, and the condition of her heart, she shall rejoice in the day to come. That's pointing ahead to the last day, to the day of salvation. But maybe it's another message just to think about how we can forsake our sins. Um, again, you had you had the knowledge of sin in the study today, cataloging sin and the Ten Commandments, the vice of sin, the, the dangers and the destructive results of sin. You had um, conviction of sin. Thank the Lord when you won't let us get away with it. Can't sleep. It might be that you just. You just, it's just echoing. Have you ever had something echo in you until you confessed it? It's just you can't get away. You can't shake. It's like David said. Uh, he describes it in Psalm 51 as dryness and, and uh, just sleeplessness. And, and he just couldn't get away from that the voice of God in his soul. We should thank the Lord for that uh, faithfulness of God exercise his fatherly chastening the remedy of sin indeed the blood of Jesus Christ turning at God's reproof but focusing on walking in the light doing righteousness you you can't walk in two directions at the same time you can't sin and do right at the same time and so the focus should be on Lord, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Proverbs over and over talks about righteousness. 
and the path that leads to uh, that's leading to the shining light, the path that leads to eternity in heaven. So he, he uh, does give us many practical um, ways in which we can walk with the Lord and not be in the vicious cycle of confessing and committing sin. And I pray that God would pour out His Spirit upon us and that we'll be subject to His leading and His sovereign will for our lives. Look at Proverbs gives us a study of sin. It's real. It's harmful. We need to avoid it. Thank God it's forgivable. And one day, it'll be gone. It'll be non-existent. It'll never sin again. It'll be glorified by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the Bible has the answer. We ask about sin, darkness, and Lord, we pray that you would forgive us freshly this afternoon. Even, Lord, the sins that we commit when we are worshiping the Lord, how pride can get in the way and and self-justification and self-denial, just denial of of what we know is true. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus. You, You read of the sins and the holy things. Lord, even the priests, while they were exercised in such privileged means of worship, yet there were sins being committed that they needed to plead the blood of the type of Christ. Oh Lord, we ask that you would help us to walk in the Spirit and not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, to have more victory over sin. Oh God, help us to hate our sins. Help us to love you and to love righteousness. We pray for the power of the Spirit to know how to navigate day by day as we enter into conversations with people, as we drive with people on the highway who are dangerous and and, uh, hurtful. Oh, Lord, please, every single relationship that we meet with throughout the day, may we walk and talk and live in the Spirit according to the light of your word. Help us, Lord, to be wise people. If we're simple in some areas, Lord, teach us to be wise. Deliver us from our foolishness. Help us, Lord, to to remember that the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But we meditate day and night in your law. We walk in the Spirit. And that our our congregation is among the righteous, that our, our best friends are among those of thy people. Lord, thank you for being the friend, the brother, that's the friend that sticketh closer than the brother. Please take us by the hand and lead us. We pray in this maze. Lead us all the way to glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.